But in this last, these last three chapters, as, as Nathan and I have reminded you guys, these are all one big unit that's been somehow smashed apart into three different chapters. But uh, let's just remember real quick that way back in chapter 10, which I preached two weeks ago, that's just the very beginning of this entire unit where, where we found Daniel. He was grieving and mourning because of the state of his people who have returned from exile. And now they were back in Jerusalem, but instead of things being easy for them, they were experiencing opposition. And there in chapter 10, we saw an angel appeared to Daniel, and he revealed to him that not only was the problem that God's people were experiencing opposition, it wasn't just external uh, forces, external people, non-Jews who were giving them grief, but it was also there was a spiritual battle that was going on. And then we see in, in Daniel chapter 11, as, as Nathan covered next week, that the angel reveals to Daniel what was going to happen to the people of God, how they would, it would continue to not be easy for them, but that they would suffer, and they would suffer through the reigns of the, king, uh, the kings of Persia, and then also the reign of the kingdom of Greece over God's people. And Nathan spoke specifically to us last week about how that would be particularly bad for God's people under the reign of the, the Seleucid king Antiochus Epiphanes. And then here in, in chapter 12, we will see today, this is the conclusion of this really long vision. It's also the conclusion of the book of Daniel. And as we look at chapter 12 today, chapter 12 is going to give us an answer to the question, how are we to live? How are we to live today in a world that is broken and marred by sin? How are we who follow the Lord Jesus to live? How is Daniel supposed to live? How are the people of Israel, the Jews who have returned to the land, how are they to live in the midst of an evil and wicked world? And the answer that we're going to see is that God calls us to live in wisdom not in worldly wisdom, not in the wisdom of, ooh, I need to eat right, or I need to make sure I'm putting enough money in my 401k, or I need to make you know, just good life choices. But no, we need to live in godly wisdom. And if we look at the rest of the, the book of Daniel for a picture of godly wisdom, we get it in the lives of Daniel and in his friends. And that godly wisdom is the wisdom that we see in the book of Proverbs that begins with the fear of the Lord. Godly wisdom, unlike the wisdom of the world, says that our creator, God, is the one who will be ultimate in our lives and we will follow him no matter what. So this chapter is going to give us a picture of what it means to live in godly wisdom. Now, I know Nathan covered verses 1 through 3 last week, and we'll, we'll kind of touch on those a little bit, but I will read all of chapter 12 for us this morning. So let's begin Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. 
And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it will be for a time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away, and the abomination that makes desolate is set up. There shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest, and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. Let's pray together. Oh, Father God. You are the great and almighty king of the universe. You are the holy one. You are the ruler over everything. And so, Father, we acknowledge that and we just pray that as you have given us your word, that, we would, that, we would, that you would be revealed to us in it today. Father, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Father, would you fill me? Father, I'm a broken vessel. We are all sinners, and so, Father, I just pray that you would use me this morning, that you would speak through me, and, Father, would you open up all of our hearts and our minds to hear from you, and it's in Christ's name that we pray, amen. Well, if we are called to live in godly wisdom, if we are called to live in godly wisdom in this world, this passage is going to show us three Ways, three aspects of this that we need to look at. First of all, we're going to see that godly wisdom and the world don't mix. We are to be wise, but we're not going to need to expect the world to come with us. The second is that we need to live in godly wisdom and we need to realize that there is a cost to doing that. And then the last, we need to be wise and we need to be wise and live in wisdom knowing that the hope that is before us is great. But first we need to be wise and we need to realize what that means in the world. First of all, we need to look and we need to realize that the world is in a pandemic. Now all of you are looking at me and thinking, has he been living under a rock or did somebody hit his head on a rock recently? I did not. The world is in a pandemic, but it is not COVID-19. That, that is a reality, 
But there's a different reality, and this reality is actually far worse than COVID-19 ever will be. Because the pandemic that the world is living under is the pandemic of wickedness and sin. And this pandemic has a 100% kill rate. And it has a 100%, with the exception of one, infection rate. And not only that, but this pandemic of sin and wickedness blinds those who are sinful and wicked from the solution the vaccine or the, the way to be healed of this pandemic. And we see that in the text. If you look with me at verse 10 where it says, Many, many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And even before that in Verse 4, where it says, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to, to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. When we, we look at that, we may think, oh, people are going to run around and they're going to they're find godly wisdom. It says knowledge shall increase. Well, if we look at this verse and then we look over at, at Amos chapter 8, we realize that that's, that's not what it's talking about. Amos chapter 8, a very similar verse says, Behold, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. Our world, the the wicked in this world, all all of us, we, we have within us just this desire the solution, the answers to the, the wickedness and the sin and the brokenness of this world. And in, in this world, we, we look at all the wrong places. We may gain knowledge. We may gain insight. But it's not going to be godly wisdom and godly insight. There is only one way. One way to be cured of this pandemic of sin and wickedness. And the vaccine for that is the blood of Jesus Christ. The one who did live in perfect godly wisdom for his entire life, who was not infected by this pandemic of sin, but was perfect and holy and lived righteously throughout his life and then died, paying the penalty for our wickedness and then rose again on the last, on after three days. That is the, that is the cure the world is sick. The world is full of sin and wickedness. And the world is looking for the answer in all the wrong places. So here's what we need to do. First of all, we don't need to be surprised when the world and all of the worldly solutions that we may think might work to help fix everything don't work. None of it works. We don't need to be surprised. We don't need to be the the people who groan and moan and complain when we look at the news and all we see is bad news. We see bad news because the world is bad. We see bad news because the world is wicked. The world is broken. There is suffering and disease and awfulness that just happens in this world every day because this world is sinful. 
And as long as we look for solutions other than in the blood of Jesus Christ, it's going to continue being that way. So folks, we don't need to be surprised when the world gets worse. And we also need to make sure that we're not putting our hope and faith in the things of this world to solve all the problems. It's only the blood of Jesus that will heal this world and that will heal us by putting our faith in him and trusting in him and trusting that what he has done on the cross is enough. The world is wicked and there is only one cure. There's only one way to live wisely and that's to live knowing that we are loved. Like Daniel in chapter 10, he was told that he was loved. And having faith in Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of the world. But there's also a cost to living in godly wisdom. There's a cost of fearing the Lord more than fearing the world or anything else in it. And the cost we see in verse 7. Listen to verse 7. It, it comes after uh, the angel asks, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? First of all, let's just take it, let's step back for a second. If we get confused by any of the, the times and the days in this, let's realize we're in good company. An angel here is asking for clarification as to what the vision means. But here's what we, we need to see. In verse 7, it says, And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. This is the same man clothed in linen that we were introduced to in chapter 10. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be a time, times, and half a time. Again, if we are confused by that, we are in good company. But here's what it says. And that when, now we might expect that the rest of this verse would say that when the holy people have complete and total victory over the world, that when the church finally gets to where every single person on this world is converted and everybody is following Jesus and everything is just peaceful, there's no more war, there's no more famine. That's not what it says. No, it says that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. There's a cost to living in godly wisdom and to living following after Christ in this world. One commentator says the world's wisdom is constantly focused on strength and glory in the present. It tells me to have my best life right now. Yet if there is anything at all to be learned from the vision that Daniel has just seen in chapter 11... It is that the lives of God's people in this world will frequently be anything but the best. There are wars, there are rumors of wars, persecutions, and trials. The temple in Jerusalem being desecrated all over again, and the faithful facing martyrdom by the sword and at the stake. Hebrews 11 takes this further when it says, Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in the skin of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. 
there is a cost to living in godly wisdom, to following after Christ, and the cost is great. And you may be thinking, goodness, that is not a good selling point, but the, the hope is coming. But here's what we need to remember before we get to the hope. We need to realize that there is a cost, but we may be thinking, I live here in, in America. I live in a place that at least right now has religious freedom. What, what if there hasn't been a cost? What if there hasn't been a cost? What if the worst that I've ever suffered for my faith in Jesus is I've just had somebody laugh at me? Well, there are a couple of things that we need to remember. First of all, we need to realize that that probably won't last. The vast majority of the witness of God's people is that they suffer for their faith. And so if we live in this little microcosm of time where we can follow Christ, where we can live lives of faith and live lives of godly wisdom, and there is, there's no suffering, there's no retribution for it, then we at least should just be thankful, but we need to realize it may not last, and it probably will not last. But here's the other thing that we need to know. And to do this, we need to, we need to think back to Daniel's situation right here in 10 through 12. Now we know Daniel has given us a lot of information about his life, and he has not always had it easy. He had to follow God, and that meant risking his life. It meant risking being torn apart by lions. And for his friends, it meant risking defying a king, fearing the Lord more than anything else, and possibly getting burned alive. Daniel and his friends throughout this book have not had an easy go of it. But if we think about Daniel in this current situation, and we have to go back to chapter 10, and we have to realize Daniel is mourning for three weeks. He's not having a good time, but it's not because he is in any sort of difficulty, but because he's mourning for people who are living elsewhere in the world who are suffering. So here's the other thing that we need to realize. If we are not personally going through suffering and persecution now, there are people around the world, there are our brothers and sisters around the world who definitely are, and we cannot turn a blind eye to their suffering. We cannot turn a blind eye. There are people around the world, you name the country, China, North Korea, anywhere in the Middle East who are following after Jesus, who are living in fear of the Lord, living in godly wisdom, who are paying a dear and big cost for it. We dare not ignore that. And if there is nothing else we can do to help them, we can at least do what Daniel is doing, and he's praying for them. He is lifting up his people. He is not in Jerusalem. He is far away from Jerusalem, but that doesn't mean he's ignoring it. He's lifting up Christ to God. He is praying for them, and he's wondering, why, God? Why? Why are my people going through this? And he's, he's concerned about them. We have to be concerned about our brothers and sisters. We have to be praying for them in the midst of their suffering, and we also need to realize that that suffering may come to us as well. Well, the last thing that we need to know, we need to be wise and we need to realize the hope that is set before us. Look at verse 2. It says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Verse 
Look down at verse 13. We're at the end of Daniel getting the answer to his question. In verse 13, the angel tells him, Go your way till the end, and you shall rest, meaning Daniel shall die. But even though Daniel shall die, as it continues, and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. The hope that Daniel had, the hope that we have today, is that when we close our eyes in the sleep of death, that it is not the end. We have hope. We have hope in a resurrection, not just that that our spirits will be with the Lord, although we have that, but we have hope in an actual resurrection of our bodies. We have hope in an actual resurrection that while Daniel just gets the promise of, we have the proof of. We have the proof of it because just like we read in 1 Corinthians earlier, that Jesus is the first fruits of that. Jesus is raised from the dead. And just as he was, so we will be as well. Now that, that resurrection, that hope, again, it doesn't, it doesn't come from us. It's not because of us, because of our ability or our strength or, our, or anything in us that gives us hope for that. Daniel didn't even have hope in a, of himself For this resurrection, he had hope in the promises that he was given in this text, in this vision, in his interaction with the angels. But it's interesting that when the angels address him in chapter 10, they don't say, oh, Daniel, man who defied kings and who survived the wrath of Nebuchadnezzar and the Persian kings. Oh, Daniel, man who was wise in your own strength. Oh, Daniel, man who wasn't eaten by the lions. No, it says, oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. Oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. Daniel's hope in the resurrection didn't have anything to do with his strength, but it had everything to do with the fact that he was loved by his creator. And for us, we know that that love has a name, and that name is Jesus Christ. We have hope in a resurrection because of what he has done because he died, paid the penalty for our sins on the cross, and because he was raised again, and he has promised that we also would be raised with him. Paul, when he's talking about this and reflecting on this in Philippians chapter 3, says this, beginning in verse 8, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Paul's faith, Paul's hope is in Jesus Christ. He is willing to suffer and endure all things. He's willing to live in godly wisdom, trusting in Christ because it is worth it for him in the end. Because one day he knows he will be raised and he will be with Jesus forever. That is the hope that is offered 
to you and I this morning. That is the hope that if we are believers in Jesus, we need to live by every day. It's not something that we just, we think about. We're saved once we hear the message, we believe it, and then we just go our way thinking that we can live in godly wisdom in and of our own strength and power. No, we need to realize that even as we are saved, even as we accept the message of the gospel message of Jesus Christ, that we need to live every day hoping and trusting in Jesus and looking forward to one day where we get to see him face to face. Here's the other thing that we need to do. This text tells us that we need to bring a party with us. I don't like, I, I probably shouldn't use that. I don't like the term party when it comes to eternity. However, this is what it says in verse 3. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Folks, this world is wicked. This world is full of sin and it is full of sinners who have no hope unless we tell them about the gospel message of Jesus Christ. This passage points directly to the fact that there are those who must go out and tell others and turn them to righteousness. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, have a commission to go and to make disciples of every nation, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, because he's going to be with us. Until the end of the age, we are called to tell people about the vaccine to the pandemic. Not COVID-19. The vaccine to sin and to the death that we deserve for it. And the vaccine is the blood of Jesus. We are called to go out to live in godly wisdom no matter the cost and to tell others that there is a solution, that there is a, a knowledge that saves, and that is the knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he has done in his life and his death and his resurrection. And though living in that godly wisdom, living, following after Jesus, putting our faith and our hope and trust in him may have a cost, it is worth it in the end. Because even if we lay down our lives, we have a sure hope and a sure promise that we will be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. Let's pray together.